What is the answer to 99 out of 100 questions? Money. Look, Mental, these jokers have got a lot of money and it belongs to me. I want to know who they are and what they're doing with it. I'm sorry about that, man. I really am. Money does bad things to people. There ain't no excuse for it. Money. 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 I'm going to say money. And I'm going to say welcome back to the We Are Money podcast. My name is Brad Beasley. Along with me is, uh, as always, is David. Hello. How are you doing, David? I'm doing great. How are you, Brad? Not too bad. And also Rebecca Deeser. Hello. Hello, Rebecca Deeser. How are you? I'm great. How is everybody? I missed you guys. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. Hiatus. Been a while. Took a, a tax season hiatus, you know, kind of mm. a vacation of sorts if you're right. sick-minded. Yeah, and as the uh, and and as the indirect boss of of all of you, it's nice to see that you guys chose to do billable time as opposed to the unbillable uh, podcast hours. But uh, you know, it's, 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 it was nice to do that during tax season. We tried, but it was overridden for some reason. Yeah, it's it's probably frowned upon. Yeah, probably frowned upon. You know, so you got to make hay while the sun's out. And uh, joining us uh, today is uh, somebody new to the show that you'll be hearing often is Lauren Grazina. Hello, Lauren. Hello. Lauren, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, I am from St. Louis, Missouri. I moved down to Las Cruces about a year ago, and I have been with BMC for about seven months now. Nice. And you are a certified public accountant. I am. And uh, which state? Uh, Missouri and New Mexico. Missouri now. and New Mexico. Yes. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. The so, New Mexico. The New Mexico. Yes. So it's the so cleaner <laughs> than regular Mexico. So, so she's the show me CPA and the enchanting CPA. Exactly. Yes. I like okay. that. Yes. That's See? a very nice combination. Yes. It's a very I nice combination. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's supposed to be in granite or, you know, some of the other yeah. the states. It just doesn't work. Doesn't work. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll. Uh, like I said, it's nice to see everybody back and nice to have everybody back with us. I appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, and we're going to have a fun, fun, uh, fun show for you guys today. We've got a bunch of different stuff. And the usually when we have a guest, uh, we'll have them talk about a specific topic but because we're bringing Lauren on uh, as well as part of our show. We're going to have a different clip, which is going to talk about uh, what is it that you do. And uh, David, you got a little special thing for us. Well, today we're going to be talking more about um, what is the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Okay, rich and wealthy. So we first have a little example of what somebody's take is on it. Okay. Good. I ain't talking about rich, I'm talking about wealth. What's the difference? Here's the difference. Shaq is rich. The white man that signs his check is wealthy. Good one, Dave. That's, of course, the impeccable Chris Rock. Yes, yes. Uh, financial advisor as well, apparently. <laughs> financial advisor as well. And so basically, you know, what, 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 what is Chris talking about there, Dave? He's talking about the, the difference that we that sees between being considered rich in our society with basically what we see as almost the next step as you are wealthy. Um, and so that's kind of what we want to talk about here, of kind of the perceptions of what is that threshold, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a dollar amount, whether it's the way that somebody holds it, holds himself out, whether it's the way their appearance is in society. And, um, you know, because we, as, a, as advisors, we don't really talk about rich building. We right. talk about wealth building. Absolutely. Um, and, and D, sir, I always kind of think of this as, as rich is kind of the income side mm-hmm. and then wealthy is kind of the accumulation side. What are your thoughts? Right. I, when you say, when I hear the word rich, I'm thinking of cash inflow being greater than cash outflow. So definitely the income statement, you want to know what the bottom line is. Uh, however, 
wealth to me, it sounds more like equity. You know, your assets obviously exceed your liabilities and there there's growth there. So that's, I mean, very loosely, that's that's what comes to mind whenever I hear the comparison of, of rich versus wealthy. Mm-hmm. And then we start talking about wealth and, and wealth building and different strategies, you know, obviously for building our wealth. And, and Dave, you know, I know that we always try to talk to our clients about building wealth on an annual basis. Yep. We try to have them do something to looking down the road, not just thinking, you know, how am I going to pay my bill today, but how am I setting myself up? How am I setting my family up um, to um, for future success? Because if you look at the, the families that you would be considered to be wealthy, it's usually not just one generation. I mean, you see that in multiple, whether it's like a Rockefeller or um, like the, the Waltons, the... No, not Eric Walton that was on here, right. unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, similar. <laughs> but similar last name. But. Well, Walmart Waltons. Yep. Um, you know, and then you also think about the about the Kennedys as well and how they just built wealth over generations. And, you know, in, in, our, uh, in our country, uh, there's always been or has been for the last, you know, several, several decades, uh, a, a what's called a transfer tax, an estate tax. And so that's to try to prevent this massive uh, accumulation of wealth uh, by families and, and, and by groups of individuals. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to basically be a transfer, uh, transfer type tax. And so, you know, we do a lot of estate planning and a lot of estate, uh, discussions, which is a, a, all about building wealth. And sometimes it's counterintuitive. You know, you save all this money, you generate all this wealth. And then if you don't do the proper planning, the government takes 40% of it, mm-hmm. you know, right off the bat. I always think it's interesting when, you know, you're talking with clients on this and now they've come up and they're making good money. And the thing that you're telling them is one of the strategies is now, well, now that you got everything, we got to work on giving it away. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's good to have money, good to make money. But as far as keeping it, we need to make sure that we use some different, uh, different mechanisms and, uh, and all that. So Lauren, in the two places you've kind of lived, what have you seen from a wealth standpoint of what kind of like a wealthy person in, 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 uh, uh, in Missouri, you know, are they similar to a wealthy person here in, in New Mexico with land and different things? Yeah, I would say that they are pretty similar. There's definitely areas of town in St. Louis that you know that that's where the wealthy live, and it's kind of called old money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big houses, lots of land, um, just knowing knowing kind of where you live there. I'm not as familiar with the city here, so I don't know exactly where those areas are. But yeah, I would say it's pretty similar. It's, it's definitely not where I live. Surely <laughs> <laughs> uh, they exist. And that's a, I'm glad that you brought that up, the old money versus new money, because I think that's something we've all heard before. Mm-hmm. And intuitively, we know what it means. But that's a that's a good example. I would agree. Kind of a tortoise and hare type thing. Right. You know, kind of slowly building wealth over time as opposed to getting rich quickly. Mm-hmm. So kind of mm-hmm. two different ways there. You know, so, David, one of the things that we had talked about was... Uh, with wealth, I know a lot with the elections and different things coming in, you know, have we somewhat demonized being wealthy in, in the United States? I think they're an, it's an easy, it's an easy target to pick mm-hmm. on um, because I, I, either that, that they can defend themselves or, or it's, it's, I mean, it's much easier to make an argument. We need to go help out um, the people that don't have any money to do this. Um, and we don't need to have any tax breaks or anything for the wealthy because they can, they can do it themselves. But, you know, when we're looking at it, there was a, there was a while back a, a show that was on the History Channel called the 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 it was called the Men Who Built America, but it really had everybody you know from Carnegie, from Rockefeller, from everyone there that had ended up being the wealthy. But they built the railroads, they built the you know steel industries and things like that, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of things that the wealthy do. Mm-hmm. That then mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it depends on what kind of economic model you follow. I mean, if you follow like Reagan's trickle-down economics that has one way, or you follow the redistribution of wealth that I'm going to pump it into mm -hmm. the lower class and that's going to pass everything up. But it mm -hmm. seems like we're sliding a lot more towards the redistribution of wealth the model of thinking, well, let's get l uh, more money, less per person, but into the hands of the lower class, and that's going to make our economy go up. So any thoughts on that? No, I think you're right. I mean, I think that there's a bunch of different ways that, that we get to that point. I think that what people lose out on the discussion of, of, of wealth and demonization is the concept of, of, of risk and, mm -hmm. and what risk at some point. There was anybody who has ever accumulated uh, massive amounts of wealth or a good amount of wealth has at some point taken some type of risk. And, uh, you know, it's, it's whether it's taking on risk of acquiring new debt, taking mm -hmm. on risk of, of going into an industry, you look at like the Kennedys, for example, they made a lot of their money bootlegging during Prohibition. Okay, and so they made all this money. And then when Prohibition became legal, it wasn't as lucrative for them, but then they had all this money and they had acquired mm -hmm. land and assets and mm -hmm. a bunch of things. And so, you know, there was, there was, was quite risk. A big risk. It was mm -hmm. very risk that they had on their other side. Other side is obviously debt. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I'm sure I'm not excessively wealthy is just the risk that I'm not willing to take. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my uh, favorite clients, he had a, always has a great saying. I asked him, how, does, how do you deal with all this debt that you have? Uh, you know, from, and he's massive wealth as well. And, they said, and he says, you know, hey, you know Brad, when you, when you owe the bank a million bucks, you know, you're freaking out. You can't sleep at night. He goes, when you owe the bank $100 million, the bank doesn't sleep at night. You're, you sleep just fine. <laughs> he goes, because you obviously have substantial assets. They wouldn't have lent mm -hmm, this to you. Mm -hmm. you, didn't, you know, and, so, and so it's just an, an, an interesting concept, and it just uh, it, it keeps, it keeps breeding itself. Yeah, I think that's a um, very good point, Brad. Uh, one thing that we always hear in, um, with regards to the wealthy and, and taxes is, are the wealthy paying their fair share? What is your thought on that? I think that when you start looking at, uh, at the wealthy, I believe that they obviously have, have acquired it through a lot of different means. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they are paying income tax as well. And so the money they're getting a lot of times is, is almost net of, of an income tax uh, that they've already paid into the system. So you could argue they paid almost what they have in taxes, you know, over, over time. Uh, I think that there are, uh, it's, it's got to the point to where there's definitely a break in that when you become wealthy to a certain point, there's enough advisors such as ourselves that mm -hmm. can help you uh, keep and accumulate your wealth through different estate planning means, techniques, and different things so that you don't have to pay as much estate tax. I think that if the government actually probably lowered the estate tax, they actually might probably collect some more because people would just say, I'm not going to spend all this money. I'm not going to spend millions of dollars on attorneys and CPAs to preserve this when the cost isn't as much. I'll just go ahead and pay pay the estate tax. But, you know, when you start looking at the fact that the estate tax exemption is for people that uh, make, you know, have, have accumulated more than $5 million mm -hmm. in, in, in assets, and then you have the income tax side, where you look at, at the top 1% pays almost 40% of all, all the income tax in the, in the country, and the top 5% pays just under 60% of the total income tax uh, of, the, uh, of the entire country. And, you know, so that's more, those are the people that are accumulating the wealth and those kind of things, but they're still uh, paying their fair share of, of income tax burden and all that. I don't know. I'd love to hear the other side. I think they're shouldering quite a bit when you consider um, they, they have taken more risk. And so of course the economic idea of risk versus reward, they, they took a lot of risks and built this wealth for themselves over the years. And then they should be allowed certain avenues to sort of protect what they've, what they've built and pass it on. 
And I think that they do pay a lot and there is uh, some demonization of, of, you know, the have and the have nots. The, just the idea that, you know, someone else has, has what I don't have, but they, they also took a lot of risks and mm-hmm. they, they analyzed what they needed to do and they put their, their monies out there, not knowing, you know, in some cases and a lot how of, it would pan out. A lot of it is putting their time and in investing research and whatnot, mm-hmm. so... And then when we start looking at the uh, the other side of it, obviously we talk about demonizing wealthy, but then obviously a lot of us desire to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Better than the alternative. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and so clients ask a lot, well, Brad, how do I get wealthy? What do I kind of do? Well, a lot of times it, it starts small. One of the things that, that, that I tell my clients quite often is, hey, let's just do one thing every year, every single year that builds wealth. Okay. And if you do that starting at age 25. Mm-hmm. Now you've done 40 things by the time that you're 65 that have increased your wealth, whether it's, you know, um, trying to put X amount of dollars away, buying certain properties. Like Transformers and Legos. Transformers like, and Legos are exactly. definitely a wealthy, wealthy. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, that's like a, oh, it's like a brick building thing. Sorry, I'm getting Something confused. like that, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, and so Lauren, you know, what, what is an example maybe of something that somebody might do to, to, uh, to acquire wealth? Some like something that somebody, almost everybody could do. I think something that is super simple, um, if you have the opportunity, if your employer matches contributions into a retirement plan, to take advantage of that and match Mm -hmm. those contributions. Because if you are not taking advantage of that, you're kind of giving away free money. That's a free, easy opportunity. You put your money in, employer puts Mm -hmm. their money in. So Mm -hmm. take advantage of that. Rebecca, what's another one? Uh, just to build on that, I think it's a lot easier if you can think of it in terms of, of matching or contributing to a 401k plan, if you can, um, just in terms of that's money that you never actually see. It's not in your hand and then you hand it off to somebody else. It's just put in there automatically. You're, it's free money. Um, another thing is, I guess, to uh, be careful of your spending. So you've mm-hmm. got a money inflow that you need to manage, but you've also got your outflow that you need to manage properly. And hopefully out doesn't exceed in. Right. Because <laughs> then that triggers on to, you know, kind of like what you were saying, that rich could be my profit and loss statement mm-hmm. looks mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. but wealthy means my balance sheet mm-hmm. looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But if you have one thing would be is a whole lot of credit card debt. If you're paying a whole lot of interest on that, that is hurting hurting you both on on both sides. Mm-hmm. So I need, need, to, need to eliminate that. Well, I think the other one, too, is that then people start looking at different investment alternatives, whether it's rental properties, uh, financing notes, or different types of, of, mm-hmm. of things as well, different ways to, to build wealth. Uh, there's a million different ways to make money in this, in, in this country, and so as you accumulate wealth and accumulate that, that's you know, always, always entertaining. So uh, great topic. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can reach us at the uh, Twitter feed at, at Beasley Mitchell. Uh, or you can follow us on Facebook as well. And once again, you're listening to the We Are Money podcast brought to you by Beasley Mitchell and Company. Uh, And now we go to my favorite part of the show. All right, Brad. Well, as you know, this is the segment that we like to call "If Brad Ruled the World," and so I don't. <laughs> if uh, if <laughs> if my bad, yeah. my bad. So we have ten questions here, and Brad verified to me that you have not seen or heard of these questions. 
I have not seen or heard these questions. Awesome. All right. So we have 10 questions here, and Brad's going to answer them if he ruled the world. So question number one, what should be required reading for every accountant or aspiring accountant? Oh, I believe the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Hmm. Yes, that's a fantastic book about uh, putting in hard work and uh, why people who are driven to success often, uh, it's not by chance, it's by luck and pre it's by preparation and hard work. Mm -hmm. Fantastic book, by the way. Nice. And question number two, if one cartoon character could be president, who should it be? Ooh, I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one. One cartoon character. Um, I'd say Scooby-Doo. Why? Why? Why Shaggy? <laughs> Just because he'd be fun. Him and then Shaggy could be the and then, vice so president. Casey Kasem's vice president. And yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, it would just, it'd, be, it'd be Scooby Snacks for everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, and then we wouldn't have right. Air Force One. We'd just have the Mystery Machine. So he's got a time. pretty solid platform. No. It sounds I like, like. So I like is it going to be, so would it be like at the end of every State of the Union, somebody's mask get pulled off right. and he'd be, if it weren't for these meddling kids. Oh, Vladimir Putin. Look, it's really old man winter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that. That'd be, that, that'd be what it'd be. So yeah, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Brad, if you were the in charge, if you ruled the world, how would you end media, media bias or point it out, or would you? Or would you have, like, one media outlet that this is going to report the left side of the news, and this media bias is going to report the right side, and you figure it out? I don't know. I'm kind of a, a, a I'm definitely a, I'm pro-freedom of speech and freedom of the press and let them do whatever. I wish that there was a, you know, I wish we could do this for, for everybody, kind of like a BS meter that just, if that it's, I'm not going to tell you that you can't say it. You know, you can say that the, 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 the sky is green and that's what the color of the sky is, but just the little meter is going to go boop and just say, that's not correct. That's not factually, factually accurate. Not a fact. Not a fact. You know, it's, 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 it's not correct. It's kind of like this whole Brexit thing, you know, and the, and, and the bus that said, hey, we send, we send 310 you know, million uh, pounds a week to the, to the EU. And everybody's like, oh, that's terrible. Is that true? Not really. Not see, really. See, that not really makes it where that's where that's I mean, tough because we do send no. it send back. Some, we get it but, back. It's this calculation. But, but the bus was red. The bus was red. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, great. Um, so, <laughs> next question is, should TV channels be offered a la carte? Oh, that is a definite yes. I would change that day one if I ruled the world. It would just be a complete menu of services. Mm. And I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I don't need the Lifetime channel personally. I don't <laughs> need a few other channels. And right now I'm at the stage of life where, God forbid, I don't need MTV or VH1. Um, mm -hmm. I don't even last know the last time I watched those. Cartoon um, Network, though. That's, the Cartoon Network, gotta... should, that'd be for everybody. <laughs> but I mean, unfortunately, Mandatory. unfortunately <laughs> at my house would be like the main four networks and then like 400 different ESPNs, like the Ocho, the Ocho, <laughs> the Ocho. And, and all that stuff. Um, and, and the then, new and the new Spanish one, the Nuevo. Yeah. Oh. The good news is it's all Univision. in cards. Yes. The bad news is it's all in Spanish. Yes. <laughs> so. Univision Mas. Yeah. That's what it is. But I, I would definitely think all the cards the way to go. Nice. If you were the world, how would you change the issue of massive student debt? Uh, I, what I would actually encourage people to do is I would have the, a calculation that says, what, what are you going to school for and are you going to be able to pay back your student debt based on this? I don't like the idea that we're just going to write off student debt. That was kind of proposed in a few of the presidential deals where they said, oh, we're going to just write off people's student debt. Well, you know, some of us didn't have student debt. Some of us uh, either parents gave us money or they worked through college or whatever it is mm -hmm. and they don't have it. And so it's kind of like this inequity. Once again, we get back to wealth versus right. versus not, Right. And so do that. But I think that there should be an analysis done that says, okay, you're going to have a job that you're going to make $30,000 a year 
it's not worth it to you, you to get 150,000 of student loans. Mm-hmm. So like if, it's not worth it if I'm going to get a degree in like 18th century French basket weaving. Unless there's some type of economic right. reason for it, which I don't know that there is. Some untapped market for 18th century French baskets. You know, definitely no. in New Mexico. It's definitely a niche market, that's yes. to be sure. Uh, niche, uh, <laughs> that's nice. Very well done. All right, next one. Question six. What do you see as the next evolution in cell phones? Oh, I think uh, I think wearable, not just wearable like on your watch. I mean, that's weak. That's like easy Dick Tracy back in the 1920s. Like they did that. I want it in my contact. <laughs> I want like my contact. And then all of a sudden, like I'm just looking at you and it's like, David, and it pulls up your Facebook page. And implanted in my implanted. brain. <laughs> I just want it right in my eyeball so I don't have to do anything. So that if I'm talking to, to you, like if I'm talking to Rebecca right now and I'm looking uh-huh. at her and, she, and, and, and she talks back to me and I really don't care what she's saying, I can look at her. And I can just be clicking and cruising the internet <laughs> with my eyes. And I, she wouldn't even know. I'd just be like, let me look up cat videos. And I'm just watching cat videos. I'm like, oh, Rebecca, you're so funny. That's great. That's a great story. So she's sitting there laughing and she's saying, my, this, my dog just died. My dog just died. This cat video. Why would you laugh? <laughs> okay. Very important question. Would you rather be able to run 50 miles per hour or fly five miles per hour? Run 50 or fly Well, because you're probably getting a car and drive more than 50 miles an hour, but I can't fly at all. I mean, I could get in an airplane, <laughs> but I think the ability to just be like, see y'all later, I'm out, but I'm just going to kind of glide yeah. away. This no. is awkward, I'm out. No. I'm leaving here. <laughs> but, kind of... but at five miles an hour, wouldn't that kind of be like when Dr. Nefario left on Indespicable Me Too and they're like, goodbye, and he just like rose up and it took about yeah. five minutes for him just to rise up. I'm going, yes, I'm, I'm missing you already. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. No eye contact. <laughs> I, think, I think fly. I think fly. Okay. Do you think that public service should be required of everyone? This is interesting. I actually do think that there should be some form or fashion of, of, of some type of training or whatever. I'm not into everybody having to go into the military, but some type of, of public service. One, it, it, I think it also helps create some type of national unity and a, and mm. a common discussion for everyone. However, I'm not necessarily meaning that that means like we're all going to go to the military and learn how to shoot guns and do all that stuff. But I was uh, in the military and I didn't learn how to shoot a gun. <laughs> right, right, right. Character building. Yeah. Character building. So. <laughs> Um, kind of on the next part of that question nine, do you think presidential candidates should to, should have to serve in the military? Well, what was it the stat that I saw? It was like thirty one out of our forty four presidents have all have kind of. A served. lot of them have mm-hmm. had some mm-hmm. at least in it's like the guard or, or something like that. Basically. Right, right, and um, you know, and I think that I think that it helps. I think it understands and gives them a little bit different perspective um, on how important national security and and, and the military. Yeah, is even receiving that basic training like for security purposes and i think a lot of it also is the the training in the military also gives you discipline and and uh, conflict resolution skills as well i think Mm -hmm. by learning how to take orders you learn better how to give orders that's a good point and not just like for fries i was gonna say and (laughs) and then and then no (laughs) um then the last question here if you ruled the world what would happen if pinocchio said my nose is going to grow now. Oh. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to reboot. That <laughs> blew my mind. That just blew his mind. I have yeah. no idea. And that's the way we like to end it here on yeah. Brad World <laughs> mind, mind blown. Mind blown. Once again, you listen to the We Are Money podcast brought to you by Beasley Mitchell and Company. And now we have David's favorite, favorite part of the uh, show, David's Legal Corner. 
The information contained on David's Legal Corner is provided as a general public service. The listeners, if any, are advised to check for changes in the current law and to consult with an attorney. The information contained on David's Legal Corner will not contain privileged and confidential information, including patient information protected by federal and state privacy laws. In fact, you will likely obtain no privilege or confidence after listening to David's Legal Corner. And David, well, he's not very patient. It is intended only for the use of the intended audience. Once you find the intended audience, please let us know, as we are not sure they have found us. If you're not intended, if you're not the intended recipient, why are you listening to this podcast? What are you doing with your life? Get a dog. Get out of your mom's basement and wipe the Cheetos from your stomach. But thanks for listening. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. Nice. nice. They get better every single oh my time. Gosh. So, so what we're going to be talking about here, and kind of in the legal context, is how to protect your assets. Um, <laughs> once you've become wealthy, how, how to do that? You know, one thing we always work on um, is different asset protection strategies. So we kind of wanted to go over those a little bit. And so I kind of have eight little tips to kind of spur some discussion okay. on um on how we can protect our assets once once they've been acquired. So the first one that they would kind of like to discuss is the use of business entities, whether it's an LLC or a corporation or something like that, um, to put that in there to separate it out um, from your person from your personal from your personal assets. Absolutely. A lot of times the LLCs make a lot of sense and or corporations because it shields the assets that are inside of that entity and it also uh, potentially could shield the uh, owner of those entities from from liabilities. A lot of states have provisions, for instance, like Nevada has a as a where all you can get is a charging order. Meaning, if if I have an LLC and I commit some type of uh, act that they would then take my assets, then they mm -hmm. would just have a charging order against the LLC, but they couldn't take the assets inside the LLC. So okay. it's, it's a little bit a little bit different uh, activity there. But uh, yeah, use we use the different business entities, yeah, especially for uh, if you have a business. Um, just to kind of, you know, make you feel good at night, just the different possible threats that you could have if you have your own <laughs> business, uh, trademark infringement lawsuits, sexual harassment accusations, employment discriminations, faulty products, malpractice claims, breach of contracts, claims, work-related vehicle accidents, worker compensation incidents, and slip and fall accidents, just to name a few. Nice. There. So, nice. So that, well, and I know, David, you also have the other one, which is, you know, just like, is insurance. Yeah, insurance. I mean... You know, you, you usually you think about insurance, the most common one that pretty much most people have or we should have, please get it if you're on the streets, is car insurance. You know, and that either protects, you know, either just I'm going to protect somebody I hit mm -hmm. or I'm actually going to protect and, and replace my my asset if it if it gets damaged. But um, insurance for about everything. You can you can pretty much assure, insure about anything out there, I think. Yeah, you're right, Dave. So tell me how retirement accounts are, are protecting your assets. Well, retirement accounts... Um, are one of those things we talked about that can grow wealth, but under federal law, retirement accounts have certain types of protections where you can't act, where if something happens, you get sued and a creditor wins a judgment against you, they can't go after those assets to collect that. For example, like the like O.J. Simpson case, um, they had the huge, the Goldman's had the huge settlement against him in the civil case, but a large part of his income was from the NFL retirement. They can't right. touch that. All right. Now, yeah. um, now you're from Missouri, Lauren, and and this is the only time I've ever heard homestead was kind of back when the settlers were. So I don't know what a homestead exemption is, but David, what's a homestead exemption? Homestead exemption is the fact that the uh, most states give you a um, actually all states give you some homestead exemption. But what that is is the fact that if I declare bankruptcy, you come after everything. You can't take. It's supposed to be you can't take my home. You can't take where I live. They've now modified that to where some states are like that. Like for example, Texas and Florida, I believe. Um, you can get the biggest house as you want. Is that your home? Then 
that's that's yours. And actually, some people have taken that to extreme in bankruptcy cases where they think I might be going bankrupt. I'm going to go buy me a huge mansion, park a whole bunch of stuff in there, and then get bankrupt. And that works. Now, in New Mexico, unfortunately, they only give you about sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So, and then if you're married, you get double that, one hundred twenty thousand. But if you think you're single, and that's not a I mean, that's not a good strategy to to right there to... to so squatter's yeah. rights? Yes. <laughs> there. So um, another way that you can protect is titling. Oh, that's what that says. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, Brad. Um, um, I think I read that wrong. Yes. There, there's not an extra I in there. <laughs> um, but um, titling the assets and, and how those are actually set up and who actually technically owns assets is a way to do that. And another way is um, annuities and life insurance. And help you um, protect those assets for doing it. One that, of the other ones you have is the, is the Scooby Doo presidency down here on our on our script. I believe David meant to write uh, "get rid of it," but it says "rid rid of it." Yeah, rid rid of it. <laughs> yeah, and that's Good that's, advice, that's the g- giving it away. I mean, unfortunately, the problem with that strategy is you don't have it anymore. <laughs> but there's certain things that you can do to give it to a trust or something that you still might have control over. But that and the other the last tip is don't wait for it. Once you've been sued, once mm-hmm. anything's coming in, that's too late. And then that's actually a fraudulent transfer which could mm-hmm. then put you into more hot water. I think there maybe is an idea out there that, you know, I'm running my business properly or, or I'm a safe driver. Why do I need insurance? Doesn't mean that an accusation could not arise. And so don't wait until you need it to get the coverage. Yeah. I get asked all the time, well, will this keep me from getting sued? Well, no, well, no. <laughs> a- anybody can get sued for about anything. But what this makes <laughs> sure is that if, if you do lose, that there's limited assets that somebody else could go after and you at least, you know, have your nest egg protected a little bit. So nice, nice. Well, that's great, Dave. Always entertaining with David's legal corner. And we'll move on to the segment five of the We Are Money podcast brought to you by Beza Mitchell and Company, Movie Hero Tax Questions. All right, Brad. So on this one, um, we decided since we were talking about wealth and everything that um, we were going to talk about what Forbes has described as the five wealthiest superheroes. Five wealthiest superheroes. Five according wealthiest. to Forbes. And according to Forbes, and since this is on the internet, this is, has to be 100% true right. because they didn't, they, they didn't have that BS meter that you well, were talking yes, about. Well, yes, of course. It's 100% true. It's the internet. Yeah. I, I read a quote from uh, Abraham Lincoln, I believe, that says that you can believe everything that you read on the internet. Absolutely, and then go to the movie, and then go to the theater too while you're at it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dave, I know you have the the list of the top uh, five wealthiest superheroes. So, why don't you go through those real quick? So, at number five, we have Emma Frost uh, with her wealth um, done at a one point three billion. Now, Emma Frost is the girl in Frozen, right? Uh, no, that, that's Elsa, close. I believe. Oh, that's Elsa. Yeah, yeah. Close. Yeah. close. You need to let that go. Sorry. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, she is a apparently a reformed villain that helps lead the X-Men with her psychic powers. Never understood how a psychic is not the most richest person in there because right. once they know everything there. Mm-hmm. Um, so It's kind of weak on her part. It sounds like she's a little lazy. Sounds like she's a little lazy. <laughs> sounds like she's a fraud. Yeah. Uh, maybe she just gets the cold shoulder when she's going. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Number four, Professor Charles Xavier, 3.5 billion. Of course, Xavier runs the... X-Men. X-Men. Or Xavier University. I'm not sure which one. I think he does right. both. Okay. 
Yes. But I wish her basketball team. The school for gifted youngsters. Yep. Yes. So apparently he um um doesn't really say how he got that wealth, but I think since he has, you know, control to read everybody's mind, again, the whole I, thing would be I think this is an example of old money, like Lauren was saying, when they like if you look into his backstory, it seems like his family was was very wealthy. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. Yeah. the old fashioned way. Yeah. Well speaking yes. of that, number three, he got his the old fashioned way by inheriting it, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> At an estimated $9.2 billion. Batman. Um, yeah, because oh. he's Batman. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly enough, it actually says that uh, Wayne Enterprises in one of the magazines says it has an annual revenue of $31.3 billion. So that's kind of where they got a little bit of that $9.2 billion. A yeah. little bit. It's a pretty good multiple, yeah. actually, 31. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and so it's, a, um, you know, that in comparison to what, who's number two on our list, uh, Mr. Uh, Tony Stark at $12.4 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually were saying that, you know, they're estimating that Stark Industries revenue is about $20.3 billion, so it's higher than or lower than Wayne Enterprises, but they said that Wayne Enterprises is much more philanthropic mm-hmm. than Stark Enterprises. You know, that's interesting because when you look at like, uh, uh, I'm just looking it up as we go, you know, what's Boeing's market cap? If you look like Boeing or some other type of defense contractor or other, you know, their market cap right now uh, let's see, they're at $84.4 billion. And when you look at Iron Man... This is very conservative. That's a very conservative approach because kind of Tony Stark was the Boeing slash, yeah. you know, defense contractor kind of guy. Whoever right? calculated this was like, let's be reasonable. But, let's be reasonable. <laughs> let's be reasonable. <laughs> these, are, these are superheroes. But, but, uh, but think about it. I don't think he owns all of Stark Enterprises. Oh, that's right. The other guy owns some of the, the, yeah. his other COO guy that... That became the big dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, that other guy. Yeah, that tried to do all that. So now who's, who's yeah. number one, Dave? Number one is, uh, and I, apo- I apologize if I get the, the name, the his first name wrong, uh, T'Challa, T-apostrophe-C-H-A-L-L-A, I guess in Spanish it would be Tajal. Tajala. Tajala, but otherwise known as the Black Panther. And his estimated value is $90.7 trillion with a T. So who is this guy? I've never even heard of this guy. Apparently he is undoubtedly the wealthiest fictional character of all time. He is the king of Wakanda. 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 Um, the Wakanda don't want none unless it's got, got some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Wakanda is that? What is that? It's apparently a fictional African country. Fictional African country with nearly all the reserves of vibranium, which is the same stuff that Captain America's shield is made right. out of. Right. Well, Very strong. So, but. I mean, you know, I've got an email from this guy. This this guy like an African king, African prince. Yeah, he usually sends out emails. emails that says, "Dude, I know this guy." It's totally legit. If you want to send those your information to those people, it's you just have to give him your social security number, account number, and your account and credit card number. And he said he's got twenty billion for me to invest. I mean, obviously, it's not that much for him. (laughs) So those are the wealthiest. Um, Just to kind of on a a little side note, um, one of the same documents had the uh, the poorest superheroes, which had. Third from the bottom, Green Lantern only making $51,000 a year. Green Lantern? Green Lantern. Uh, Spider-Man making $41,000 a year as a as a as freelance a uh, photographer. photographer. And then Superman making about $37,000 a year as a, as a reporter. reporter. Okay. There's others at zero. What about Aquaman? But, what does Aquaman make? I mean, he's just, he got to work at SeaWorld or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever he does, kind of fishy. Oh, uh... grown, grown, grown. <laughs> Well, thanks. That's always <laughs> we always have fun with superhero tax questions, and now on to one of our new segments, which is actually uh, comes to us from Miss Rebecca Deeser. It is uh, Deeser Dad. Words of comfort, words of peace, words to make the fight 
song cracks me up. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> so Peter, what are we doing here? So what we're going to do, we're going to have some fun. Uh, this is basically going to be an IRC code section, which I have extracted words from, and we're going to do this Mad Lib style. So um, I'm going to go and tell you uh, whether I need an adjective or noun or verb or whatever, and you guys can all contribute a word. I'm just going to write down the first one or the one that stands out the most. And then after we get to the end, I will hand it over to Lauren, who will attempt to read it without laughing too hard. I'll okay. do my best. Okay. Well, why, don't we, why don't we go in order? Okay. Okay. David, or okay. Lauren can have the first okay. one. So which... Go ahead. I'll go first. Okay. Okay. I need an adjective. Blue. <laughs> okay. And a noun? Lamp. I love lamp. I love lamp. <laughs> A verb ending in ed. Zipped. <laughs> I need another noun. CPA. Verb ending in ed. Rund. Wait, that's not ed. I rand. <laughs> I say use it anyway. Yeah, use it anyway. Okay. Rand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. And a noun? Goat. That is Goat. very unexpected, Lauren. Goat. Another noun? Barnacle. Noun? Tootsie roll. Let me see that tootsie roll. Squiggly. <laughs> That's hard to write when I'm laughing. Okay. <laughs> um, adjective. Opaquely. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Opaquely. Yeah. It's tough to see through. It's Ten dollar word. Noun. Spaceship. You're out of this world, Brad. <laughs> Verb ending in ed. Planted. Mm, you're obviously much more learned than I am. It's pronounced learned, Brad. <laughs> learned. Duh. Okay. Uh, adjective? Um, greenified. And a proper noun? A proper noun. Mm -hmm. Why do you give me the hard one? <laughs> give me a proper it's noun. It's like a person's name, Brad. person's name? Yes. So it could be your name. I'm just saying. Okay. Your name. <laughs> your name. <laughs> I'm going to put Brad. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, verb ending in ED. Gifted. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Rebecca, how long is now? this? It's almost done. Is this like in chapter one or yeah. <laughs> what's the last one? Uh, noun. Um. And then I just need three more. Socket. Okay. Noun. Table. Noun. Corn cob. <laughs> and adjective. Darkened. Okay, we are ready. Okay. Wow. Lauren, if you want to go ahead and read that. I will do the honors. Now, this is on hot blue assets. 
general rule to the extent a partner receives in a distribution a partnership partnership lamp which is unzipped receivables or cpa <laughs> items which have runded substantially in value in exchange for all or part of his goat in other barnacle property, including money, or Twitsie Roll property, including squiggly money, other than described in the opaquely subparagraph A, or part of his spaceship in partnership property planted in subparagraph A, such transactions shall, under regulations prescribed by the Greenified Brad be gifted as a sale or exchange of such socket between table E and corn cob as constituted as constituted after the darkened distribution. Sounds like that gives Brad a lot of power. Wow. Sounds like gives me a lot of power, especially with regards to goats. Regards <laughs> <laughs> to goats and property. That's always fun. That's always fun. So now we'll go to the last one, which is best code. All right. Back by popular demand is the best code ever. I'm going to provide three sets of three tax rules. Two are true. One is fake. You have to determine which is the fake one. Mm -hmm. Number one, you have the exceptional tree income deduction. Homeowners love curb appeal, but residents in Hawaii get to write off up to $3,000 a year to maintain trees on their property. Or there is the pencil, there is um, the fact that Pennsylvania courts ruled that air is not taxable. AirServe provides air vending machines at gas stations, and the tax state the state tax bureau rules that since air is cold from the environment free, no sales tax is levied. Then there is the Alaska snow removal credit, where Alaska, Alaskans are allowed to cre a credit up to two hundred dollars for amounts paid for snow removal. Which one is true? Which one is fake? Rebecca, air tax. I say Alaska. I say the tree. Ooh, Lauren, right out of the gate. The, the remo snow removal credit is fake. Oh, boom. Now, the other two have actually been true. <laughs> so the second one here, we have the Maryland rain tax. State legislatures enacted fees on property owners in Baltimore and nine other Maryland counties aimed at curbing stormwater runoff. And they, the way that they calculate the tax is by measuring how much of a landowner's track is impervious to precipitation seeping into the ground. So then there's um, a Montana mud tax. So mud in Montana... Sales of mud are subject to a tax where sales of sand, clay, and water separately are not subject to tax. Then you have Virginia, which the Virginia sheep tax. So Virginia taxes its sheep on a, a 50 cents excise tax on every lamb or sheep sold in the state. That's a bunch of sheep. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to go with the sheep tax. Going with Montana mud. Yeah, you're not going to pull the wool over my eyes this time, David. I'm going with sheep. Oh, Lauren is on fire. No, here. The, the mud tax. It's not like, mud yeah, in Montana. <laughs> they don't have it, just big sky. Just big sky. And then the last one. Well, they have dirt and water. Of course, they have mud. In <laughs> <laughs> the last one, um, you have the um, liquor filled liquor filled candy tax in Colorado. While liquor filled candy is not considered food under several food programs, it is it is considered exempt from sales tax, like other foods in the state. Other, or you have in Indiana um, a food tax that, for example, in, in Indiana, marshmallow cream is tax exempt, but marshmallows are not. 
Icing in tubes and containers of frosting are also exempt, but cake decorations are not. Then you have the vegan edible gummy cup tax. Um, in New York, these cups allow consumers to drink a beverage and then eat their cup. New York has <laughs> deemed these eco-friendly and so um, has and but has said that they will be taxed. Oh my goodness! Wow. Only one is fake, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, I hope the vegan edible cup is fake, but I'm thinking it's not. But I'll go with the vegan cup. Going with the marshmallow. Uh, I'm going to go with the cup as well. All wrong, unfortunately. Oh. And that, so um, the liquor, liquor, liquor fill, candy. Yep. Okay. That's the one that's there. Wow. So good ones, Dave. When it's you're shocking. thinking of how crazy the tax code is, just always remember that. Please. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Well, thanks again, guys, for joining us for another episode of the We Are Money podcast. Uh, thanks to everybody that's listened. Have we had a really great time. David, thank you very much for putting it together. Thank you very much. Rebecca, lovely having you again. Great to see everyone again. All right. And Lauren, welcome again. And hope thank to see you. you soon. So excited to be here. Well, make sure you follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, and we'll talk to you soon. It's not over yet. It is for me, sister. Look, I ain't in this for your revolution, man. I'm not in it for you, princess. I expect to be well paid. I'm in it for the money. 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 I'm going to say money.